You are listening to Sparking Wholeness with Erin Carey, where we talk about all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, everybody, it's Erin Carey, and I am here with Heather Creekmore. I'm excited. This is probably, I think, the third time that Heather has been on the show. We always have a great conversation. So first off, welcome back to Sparking Wholeness, Heather. Oh, thanks, Erin. I'm glad to be here. This is going to be fun. Well, let me read, in case you guys don't already know who Heather is, let me read a little bit about some information about her. She writes and speaks hope to thousands of women each week, inspiring them to stop comparing and start living. Heather's Compared to Who podcast is aimed specifically at helping Christian women overcome body image and comparison issues. Her first book, also titled Compared to Who, encourages women to uncover the spiritual root of body image issues and find freedom. Her latest release, The Burden of Better, offers women a journey into the depths of God's grace to find a way off the treadmill of constant comparison. Heather has been featured on Fox News, Huffington Post, Morning Dose, Church Leaders for Every Mom, along with dozens of other shows and podcasts. But she's best recognized from her appearance as a contestant on the Netflix hit show Nailed It. Heather and her fighter pilot turned pastor husband, Eric, have four children and live in Austin, Texas. So that's a little bit about Heather. And yeah, she was on the very first, it's the first episode of Nailed It, right? Yeah. My kids are, I introduced them to that show because of you and they're obsessed with it. They watch it all the time on Netflix <laughs> and they want to, they want to like act it out at home. I'm like, this is just a disaster. <laughs> anyway, <That's a> mess. <laughs> I, I brought Heather on because, you know, we are entering, you know, swimsuit season, summer diets are all popular right now. You know, everybody wants to get their summer body. And so Heather, I want to ask you, what, what diet are you going to do to prepare for the summer this year? <laughs> Oh, Aaron, (laughs) I'm not going to do any diet. (gasps) Oh my gosh. Easy, right? No, but I mean, that wouldn't have been my story. I probably even seven, eight years ago, that wouldn't have been my story, but now I'm able to take a different perspective and see the insanity. And I mean that as nice as possible, but we do this as a culture every year, right? January, we got to go on our new year's diet and then April, May comes around and we got to get our our summer diet on and just, you watch the cycle, right? If diets worked, they would have worked the first time (laughs) or the 10th time, right? If Mm -hmm. it didn't work in January, why is it going to work in May? Mm -hmm. Because you're motivated because you got to put a swimsuit on maybe, Maybe there's something to that, right? You might be able to stick with it an extra week or two because you know vacation's coming. <laughs> but but what's going to happen afterwards? I mean, I'm I'm so learning that where there's restriction, there's always binging, right? And I I've experienced that most of my life, but could have never put it in that terminology for you. Right. But yeah, yeah. So Aaron, I'm not going to go on a diet and it's going to make me sad to watch people around me do it, but I'm, I'm not going on a diet before summer. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, I think if this is a good conversation to have that might step on some toes, but, um, I think if you are listening, this is a good time to just dig deep into your own motivation for even, you know, we talk a lot about health on this podcast, Mm -hmm. right? It's about healthy habits and, and mental health and making sure that we are aware of our triggers and all of that. But a lot of times we wrap diets into health. We call them health when really we're just trying to get the last 10 pounds off or the last 20 pounds or the last 50 pounds. Is it wrong to want to lose weight? 
No, I don't think it is. But I do think we have to be intellectually honest with ourselves about why, right? Because I do think that we default our, as a culture, we've come to understand that the word diet is bad, right? And so people don't say diet anymore. It's, it's health. It's, it's a whole subset of wellness culture. Mm -hmm. And again, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be well. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be healthy. There's nothing wrong with wanting to feel good. But I think that is sometimes code word now for get skinny. Mm -hmm. And there's this automatic connection that we make as a culture that if someone is skinnier, then they are healthier. And that's really not the case. There's not the data to back that up. And in fact, I know from my story, Erin, you know, I wouldn't have told you that I had a full-blown eating disorder. I was never diagnosed with an eating disorder because I wasn't, it, this was the early nineties when I was really in the height of my struggle in college, I wasn't anorexically thin and I wasn't throwing up. I wasn't purging. And so I didn't fit in the anorexia or bulimia category. Now I've come to understand, I, I used to say I fit in the category of Ednos eating disorder, not otherwise specified, but that doesn't even exist anymore. They don't call anyone Ednos anymore. It came out of the, <laughs> the, the manual a couple of years ago. Now I think I may have qualified as anorexic. Hmm. Um, which is strange for me to say, because I never weighed a hundred pounds. I never even weighed 120 pounds. Okay. But understanding what I do when we restrict, we do damage to our bodies that people don't talk about, right? That you were on my show to talk about what happens to our bodies and our brains at 1500 calories a day. Mm -hmm. I spent most of my life trying to keep it at 1500 calories or, or 1200 really was probably mm -hmm. the better number 11, 1200. And so seeing those decades that I starved myself and then I was teaching fitness classes because I thought that would help me be skinnier too. Seeing what I did to my body, I can tell you honestly that when I was in my, at my skinniest and when I looked on, you know, if you took a picture, I didn't post a bikini picture on the internet, but if I had, <laughs> when I looked my best is when I got my blood work back that I had Hashimoto's mm, and I was yeah. hypothyroid and I was going into adrenal fatigue. Right. And so those two things didn't match up the skinny after picture and, and my quote unquote health were not the same thing. And so, yeah, I think you're right. We can't confuse this drive to be healthy with a drive to be skinny and then to get under the surface of all that. Why do we want to be skinnier? What is the motivation there? Is yes. it because we really believe that's healthier? Maybe that's a little bit to it, but I always think there's more than that. Yeah. I, I think that's such a good perspective. And I think it is so important for people to hear that because we are, and I've even had guests on my show talking about, you know, the obesity epidemic and COVID and it's like, and how those have been tied together, but it's, and you've heard me say, we don't have an obesity epidemic. We have a toxin epidemic for sure. Mm -hmm. I think we have a lot of people who are undernourished. We've got a lot, lot of, um, toxic environment, you know, environmental toxins and water that has been polluted and all sorts of other things that do mess with our metabolism. But I think stress is toxic. I think our hatred towards our body and our constant need to punish ourselves mm -hmm. is toxic. And I think eventually our bodies go, you know, 
I'm going to protect you. And the way I'm going to protect you is by storing weight. And not everybody fits into this category, but a lot of women do. And then it just drives that cycle even further. So it's always about the weight, but we're never addressing what the root of the issue is. And we're definitely not looking at the actual health markers either. Like, like you were saying. Right. Well, what about the stress about food? I mean, someone I know likes to say a body that's stressed won't digest. <laughs> right. I don't know if, if you've ever heard that before. <laughs> that's a really good saying. Gosh, that's good. <laughs> no, I mean, how yeah. much do we stress over food? And really that's what a diet is all about in a mm. way, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, a diet is an opportunity to Absolutely. stress over your food. Are you doing it right? Are you eating the right thing? Is, are you eating the right thing at the right time? Uh-oh, what if you don't have mm-hmm. the right thing and it's the wrong time? And you know, all those things. And it's about ignoring your body right? It's about ignoring those, those hunger cues. And <laughs> it's, it, it's telling your body to shut up because right. you want it to do this thing. So you can look like that. And, you know, I mean, it's not as healthy <laughs> as it's been presented. It's downright harmful. Yeah. 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 So many good thoughts here. And you bring up so many good points that actually, this is a really great place to pause and thank our sponsor for today's episode. Today's episode is sponsored by AARP. You know, we're talking about health and these changes that we make for health and dieting and what is good or bad for us. And as we get older, we are more concerned about our health and longevity and finding affordable health care, lower prescription costs, and protecting Social Security and Medicare. Well, AARP advocates for you and offers financial and job resources, fraud protection help, information on joining local volunteer groups, and so much more. Because AARP knows you have a lot of good years ahead. Now, I am an AARP member myself, and I love having access to the app. It keeps me connected with all of the resources that AARP offers members. The membership benefits come at very little cost. There is family caregiving support. There's a job board and resume advisor. There's driver safety tips, financial planning, retirement, and social security resources. And then you have up to 15% off meals at participating restaurants, discounts on thousands of hotels nationwide. It is also the largest advocacy group for people 50 plus, and you get instant access to news and community events. And members get AARP the magazine delivered to your door with news, interviews, and articles that are relevant to you. And of course, you know me, I'm always looking for the latest and greatest in health information. And so I think that this is really helpful that I have this resource at my fingertips. Try the benefits for yourself. Go to aarp.org spark to join for just $12 for your first year with automatic renewal. You'll get a second membership for free, plus AARP the magazine and a free gift. That's aarp.org spark. Now, Heather, we are talking about dieting, creating stress. And, you know, I've seen a lot of people in my office getting stuck in elimination diets. They play a role for sure. There's a place. But for some, it does kind of create this fear of food and what we would now call orthorexia. So it's, it's always so hard for me to know how do I create a balance in, in my client's relationship to food? How do we create a balanced approach when at the end of the day, we need to be able to advocate for ourselves and our unique bodies and instead of shutting down what we know are intuitive needs, and that will just create more stress in our body, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, you're spot on because 
I, just the women I work with and the women I see, what happens to us is, so let's say, well, bread was good when, when we were like college age, right? Or you probably mm-hmm. high school age. I was college probably age. Low fat, right? Isn't right. Low fat. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, so you're eating bread, but trying not to eat anything with fat in it. Everything has to be fat free. So you're getting no fat in your diet and that's what you're taught. Right. And then what's, what I've seen happen is the, the rules just kind of keep accumulating like, okay, well now culture says that, you know, that bread is bad. And instead of adding the fat back <laughs> and taking out the bread, no, you got to keep both of them out because they're both kind of scary. And then culture says meat is bad. Okay. Now you got to take out meat and, you know, and your oils and your bread and, you know, and then you're left with like what applesauce, but, oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to be low carb. Applesauce has a lot of carbs in it. And you know, it's, so you just keep adding these different food rules, never finding freedom to just eat. And I know my story, Erin, it's, it's constantly evolving, mm-hmm. but you know, when I was first diagnosed Hashimoto's hypothyroid, I mean, I jumped to all of the, all of the protocols, mm-hmm. right? Which protocol should I follow? I was eliminating all the things and, you know, my doctor, you and I, we had the same doctor. I don't know if you still are <laughs> driving back to Dallas for her or not. I do. I drive from Austin to Dallas to see her. She's that awesome to me. But um, she put me on like a vegan cleanse. And by the end of that cleanse, I was literally ready to like start gnawing on my hands. Yeah. That's how much I needed meat. And she got my blood work back. And she was like, this is really strange. Like, most people's blood work is better after doing this, but yours is worse. You must really need meat. And I'm like, yes, I know I need meat. Like I know this about myself. And so it's just a perfect example of how, yeah, one size does not fit all with our health, but then, you know, I had to eliminate the gluten and eliminate the dairy. And I started to notice if I didn't do that, or if I slipped up and had a little bit, I started to notice I would get the thyroid swell and I would have a serious issue. Mm. But then I was also trying to heal my gut at the same time, recognizing my gut health issues. And now, Erin, like seven years later, as I've been wrestling through my disordered eating and all that stuff, I can have a little bit of bread and I don't get a thyroid swell and I don't feel any symptoms at all. And I, you know, I'm not saying I'm going to start, you know, making bread the staple of my diet. Like there's, there's other reasons not to do that. Right. But, but just being free to digest it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. And to not be afraid of it. And knowing that I've done like the work of the healing of the gut and my Hashimoto's numbers are good. Now I feel, I feel like I'm in a different place and, Mm. and the diet cycle doesn't, it never takes you to that place. I mean, uh, it's, it's a mess. That's so good. I I'm glad that you brought that up. That's really important for people to hear because we want to have that freedom. And I think sometimes you've also done a lot of soul healing. I would say Mm -hmm. your books are about tackling body image in comparison. And I think that was the, the root motivation for you for so many years that was truly destroying your health, that stress piece of it. And the, you know, you were, um, fitness instructor. I know you've talked about that and exercising like crazy and not eating enough that puts the body into major attack, right? Because it wants to protect you, not because it's broken, but because your body's protecting you. So 
what, what are you seeing right now? What are some of our, our, I'd love to let's tear down some popular diets and, and yeah. let's talk about, let, let's Ooh. get to the root of them and what's, what's yeah. going on there because there's a lot, you know, everything changes, but, um, let, let's, let's break it down. What, what do you have? Yeah. You well, so, so this is something that I had a guest on my show that pointed this out. And I just think this, this blew my mind. And so I'm just going to point this out. So everyone on your show can hear too. But if you watch what happens culturally with our diet cycles, there's only three macronutrients. There's carbohydrates, there's protein, and there's fat. And so about 10 years ago, we were all paleo, right? High protein. And then we moved to keto, high fat. And now what's coming back? Plant-based. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm seeing the commercials. Right. And that's high carb. And, and so what someone pointed out to me was the body needs all three macronutrients. It craves all three macronutrients. So who better to sell a high carb diet to than someone who's been high fat without the carbohydrates. Right. And then I bet you we're going to go right back. I don't know what it'll be called, but we're going to go right back to some sort of paleo. And then we'll go right back to whatever the new keto is. And, and you just watch the cycles. I mean, Solomon tells us in, in the Bible, in the book of Ecclesiastes, that there's nothing new under the sun. And that (laughs) applies so perfectly to our Mm -hmm. diet plans, but another one that's been recycled. And so I have personal experience with this one. So Octavia. Okay. Or Optavia, whichever way you want to say it. I don't know. I've never officially been coached on that, but, um, but I'm sure they'd like to coach me. Uh, (laughs) but but my uncle was a medical doctor and Optavia is what used to be Metafast. And so Metafast was this, this diet plan of just like shakes and, and little snacks that was only available from doctors, the man that created it, sold it to medical doctors so that they could prescribe it to people in their practice that were really overweight. This was to be used in extreme cases where the person was just at, you know, a really unhealthy weight and needed some way to take some pounds off. And they got sued in 2012 and they rebranded to Optavia. And now instead of going through medical doctors, which at least there was a little bit of accountability there. Right. And they're working with people who are like my, my uncle was one of them. He was an ER doctor, completely unhealthy and was probably 300 pounds. And so he needed, needed to take some weight off. Again, I'm not advocating that that would have been a good way for him to take weight off, (laughs) but, but, you know, at least he would have been under doctor supervision. Well, now what do we have? We have people calling themselves health coaches peddling Optavia. And it is, <laughs> I saw this online. This is not, this is someone else's line, but it's expensive starvation. It's mm. very expensive starvation. So I was researching what is in their bar. So the Optavia principle is, um, is a hundred calorie snacks. You get five, 100 calorie snacks, and then you get a regular dinner. And so if you do the math on that, anything during the day, other than the the five, your your five, 100 calorie snacks. Wow. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, it's slim fast, right? I mean, I did slim fast in the eighties was kind of similar, right? You had your two shakes and then you had your healthy dinner, right? I mean, like this isn't a new thing, Mm -hmm. but these five snacks, I was kind of interested in like, what are these five snacks? 
Well, a lot of them are bars or shakes. Aaron, the first ingredient is soy protein isolate. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm a bar snob and I'm a shake snob. Okay. Like I love me some Dr. Axe collagen powder. Hopefully he'll pay you for this episode. Give me some Dr. Axe chocolate collagen powder. I am in, but you know what that doesn't have in it. It doesn't have any soy. Yeah. It doesn't have whey. Right. And, and I'm looking at the ingredients, this bar and it's soy and whey and uh, canola oil, and it has artificial sweetener in it. And nutritionally, that's the ingredients. If you look at the nutrition facts, it's just the same as a nature Valley. It's, mm. it's a fortified like nature Valley or fortified Quaker oats bar. You are much better off to eat kind bars. If you've got to mm. have a bar, <laughs> they at least have real ingredients that you can pronounce. And do you know how much these bars are? They're like four bucks each. Wow. I mean, uh, when I have to pay a dollar for a healthy bar at Costco, like when it's $1 per bar, I feel like, oh my word, that's so expensive. There's like four bucks each for this non-food. I mean, it's all highly processed. Very processed. And it's adding in synthetic vitamins as well, that it's very difficult for our bodies to absorb and utilize. So that's confusing for sure. And so you're going to lose weight if you are starving your body, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're only getting 1200 calories a day, you're going to lose weight for a little while until your body says, wait, no more. We're hungry. <laughs> or your body says, whatever you give us, we've got to keep because we're starving here. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I had a, another guest on my show who said, and I don't know if you've heard this before or not, but, um, she has a master's in science. And she said, do you know why you get that buzz when you first go on a diet? Did you have, you heard this? Mm-hmm. I know where you you're going. That, you get that buzz because God has created your body to protect you from feeling the pain of starvation. Yeah. And that hit me. I'm like, oh my word. Like I thought that buzz, like you're told by the diet people that that buzz is the diet working. Like Mm -hmm. you feel great. Like you've given up all your old food ways and now you feel awesome. But to recognize, no, your body is starving and it is protecting you from feeling how horrible that would actually feel. Well, and I would say that buzz is also fight or flight because fight or flight feels good at first. Right, right. (laughs) Protect us. Right, stress. Yeah. Yeah. Adrenaline. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Optavia, I, I say, if you want to spend a ton of money to get fatter a year from now, you should totally do that. Yeah. That's, that's guaranteed weight gain for sure. And you know, you have exceptions. Um, I, I'd be interested in in long-term lab work, you know, long-term, I'd, I'd really like to know what it's doing to people's thyroids, people's adrenal function. Um, just from, you know, what I look at now is with my functional medicine training, I'm really looking at like, how is this? Okay. So maybe blood sugar is better in the short term because you've changed the content to some extent, but long-term, what are these things looking like? Yeah. Cause your body, um, I, I always joke with the great, um, the great philosopher, Jeff, Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic park, mm-hmm. he says, nature always finds a way, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Yeah. I I know that line. Well, (laughs) always a balance that comes. I do love me some Jeff Goldblum anyway. So yeah, so that's good. I'm so, I'm glad you broke that down. I think it's interesting. So what, what would you say is a, is a, is a better, let's just take, and I want to move on to maybe some other 
styles of eating that are popular right now, but like, just for that, what would be a a good check-in with yourself? You know, when you find yourself drawn to something like that, because I mean, even you and me both there, that's that shiny, there's that shiny, Ooh, there's Mm -hmm. a new thing out there. There's, Mm -hmm. there's always going to be probably an inner appeal to both of us because of our past with wanting that next thing. So how can we all check in with ourselves when we see something like that? Yeah. I mean, I think one thing is asking or remembering the definition of insanity, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, when it comes right down to it, I've tried this before. I didn't try that before, but I remember eating slim fast bars in my twenties, you know, mm-hmm. at the two, or I'd have a shake and then have the bar at lunch and then have a healthy dinner. I've done that before. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and I know what that felt like it didn't solve it for me once and for all. And it, you know, I, I like to talk in, in the work I do, I talk a lot about ideals and idols. And, and really, I think the hope for most of us is that this diet, this next diet will be the one that will be like solve it for us forever and ever. Like, I think the real appeal to these diets is that we'll be able to rest when we're finished with them. Right. Cause that's really what we want. We don't want to have to eat crazy bars and shakes like it, you know, you can do that for a while, but then your body's like, I just want to go to a restaurant and order something (laughs) that is not this. Right. Mm -hmm. And and so, but so that's what we all long for. We just want to be normal around food. I mean, that that's what I craved. I just want to be normal. How can I just be normal around food? And then you wrestle the, like, it's not fair. It seems like they can be normal around food. Why, why am I special? Mm -hmm. Why do, why can't I be normal around food? And so I, and all of those things are just under the surface there, but yeah, we have to remind ourselves the definition of insanity. You've tried this before. It didn't work before. Why would it work now any differently? This is not going to fix it for you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I reading the book health at every size really made me terrified about doing anything from a dieting perspective anymore because of the way that it increases our set point weight. And right. so of course my logical brain now, it's like, anytime I think of something, well, cause carnivore, my husband wants to do carnivore for gut healing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just throwing that out there. And I, I'm not opposed like I, but I know if I tried to do carnivore, I would probably be waiting <laughs> to see if I would lose some weight, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so it's like, there's always that, okay. I do know that if I tried to do any, anything to the extreme, it's going to drive my set point weight up. And so I just, I just won't do it, but yeah. So tell me, okay. So what else are you seeing out there? Because that is definitely a big one. I think it's hitting hard in, um, in churches, which is very Mm -hmm. interesting, um, because that brings up a whole other set of issues really, (sighs) but we don't have time to break all those down today. Um, so what, yeah. So what else do you see going on in the world of wellness and, and dieting? You know, I think we're, we're fading out of keto. Like we've said, like, I, I think, I think that's fading. I think people are tired of eating nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know I was <laughs> when I faded out of keto however many years ago. I, I, I can't, I, like nuts are great yeah. for you, but I literally was at Costco this morning, Erin, and I walked past the nut aisle and I was like, I still can't do it. <laughs> I'm so burnt out on nuts. Cause I, well, I developed a cashew sensitivity. Yeah. There so you go. What does that there tell you? you? There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, Ah, it's, it's hard. It, 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 we, we need balance. And so, you know, Noom is a big program right now. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I don't know much about that one. Uh, So here's what I've gleaned. Noom is Weight Watchers with some extra like psychology added. 
and I don't know. So, so the, the thing with Weight Watchers, and I, I've, I've done Weight Watchers in my, you know, teens and twenties. My mom did Weight Watchers, so I kind of knew the Weight Watchers drill. And it feels like if you have to go on a diet, that maybe Weight Watchers is safest. But yet, I still think, and according, you know, I've read Hayes too now. If you're going on a diet, you are going to go off of a diet. You are not actually changing habits in a healthy way. You are changing habits temporarily to try to get a number on a scale. And that's always going to end. And so, um, but yeah, I mean, the calories with Weight Watchers, I think there, you can be like 1900 or 2000, although I, I think they give you more calories when you exercise. And I think Noom kind of does the same thing, mm-hmm. um, but just throws in a, a, you know, do you know that you eat for this reason? <laughs> are, mm-hmm. are you eating because you're bored? You know, here's an idea. So it kind of right. gives you some of that stuff, which, you know, I mean, to some extent that stuff is probably helpful, but to address our issues with our body size as physical issues or just psychological issues, I think misses the heart of where our real issues are. Mm -hmm. And I think that's spiritual. I think we have a spiritual issue underneath the surface here. Yeah, I I agree with that. I I think that spiritual health is always going to trump physical (laughs) and psychological and all of that. And so that, I think that's interesting. Will you expand on that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Happy to. I mean, in, in my story, I thought that I had the spiritual side of things buttoned up. Like I was raised in a Christian home, you know, and so I went to Christian schools, like I knew that God had made me fearfully and wonderfully made. I knew that God looked at my heart more than he looked at my gene size. Like I knew all those things, but it didn't really matter at the end of the day, because I thought what would make me better or more joyful or more free or whatever word you would use for more wonderful, what I thought was going to make me have an awesome life was if I just got the body that I wanted. Mm-hmm. If I could just, you know, change sizes. And I like to use the illustration of the biggest loser that show that used to be on NBC. Um, because I think that that illustration actually I used it with your dad <laughs> and your old church. Um, but that illustration, I think shows us what we are sold, right? We are sold that you start in this hell of, you know, being in a, a bigger body is hell and it's misery. And then you go to the biggest loser ranch and you meet Bob or Jillian or whomever the hot body of the season was right. And, and you're meeting a savior because that savior takes you from hell and they transform your body to where at the end you're wearing cute clothes and running marathons and you're saved, right? That's heaven. That's the American dream. And, and that's, it's a salvation story, right? It's a weight loss story. It's a before and after story, but those are always salvation stories Mm -hmm. in marketing, right? That's, it's like, you want to be saved, get our diet and you'll lose the weight. And then angels will be singing for you. Right. But that's not where real salvation is found. And, and so my story is I chased that kind of false salvation for many decades. And I look back at the pictures of myself when I thought I was fat, when I thought I still had more work to do. And I think who was that person, right? Who was that, that person who didn't really need to do anything to her body, but she was so obsessed 
with changing her body and, and frankly, missing out on, on all the world around me, mm-hmm. <laughs> lots of opportunities, right. Um, that, you know, is missing out on because I was so focused on my body goals. Um, and then, and then just missing in my heart, the answer to that question, that question was, will anyone really love me? Am I accepted? Am I acceptable? You know, does anyone really care? Does anyone really see me thinking that those answers would come once I looked a certain way Mm -hmm. and then realizing that they didn't, and that I already had the answer to those questions that, that, you know, God had already shown me that he loved me in that way, that he saw me, that he wanted me, that he accepted me. And, and then, you know, it broke my heart later, decades later to see how I kind of snubbed God with that answer. Like, yeah, okay. Thanks God for that. Mm -hmm. But I really want everyone (laughs) around me to think that too. (laughs) Right. Um, And so that broke my heart and led me to a place where I had to just repent and kind of start over like, okay, God, show me how to do this in a different way where I can honor you. I can make healthy choices for my body, but when my body changing my body is a goal that is related to my value and my worth, it's always going to let me down. Yes, that is so good. That's so true. And that's, and that was for me very similar. And the game changer for me was, I started thinking about what I was eating for how I would feel Mm -hmm. not for what it would make me look like, because I've, I had to come to accept that really for my body, I'm always within a good 10 pounds Mm -hmm. of, of the same weight. Right. Like, and there's, I do have a set point for the most part. And so whether I lose weight, gain weight, what I always end up at this same <laughs> set point, which is fine. And so I had to look at, okay, how can I eat so that I feel good? And of course, my story is the mental health aspect of things, um, going on and off meds my whole life. It feels like, and just trying to figure out what was the right medication that was going to make me feel good. Well, food has a direct impact on our neurotransmitters, mm-hmm. you know, and, and enough protein, like to your point eating enough protein creates the amino acids. We need to build neurotransmitters, getting enough vegetable fiber, prebiotic. I only used to eat vegetables because I was dieting. I didn't Uh think about the fact (laughs) that I needed vegetables for my mental health. And so for me, it was that big game changer of, okay, I'm never actually going to be in this perfect body, whatever that looks like, because there's never going to be perfect enough for what I think it needs to be. right? Right. Right. So how can I do what I can with what I have so that I am fit to serve Mm-hmm. the kingdom, right? Yeah. Like at the end of the day, we want to be fit to serve. We want to right. live quality lives so that the people around us have somebody who isn't hangry <laughs> or <laughs> distracted right. or so self, you know, consumed by, Oh, this isn't in my plan or, Oh no, it's that time again. I need to have my 100 calorie bar or whatever it is. <laughs> right. Like hey. I mean, that that's stressful. Thinking about yeah. food all the time is stressful. So instead yeah. just going, okay, what can I eat so that in a few hours, I'm still going to have mental energy. All right. I'm going to pick whatever I think is the best option. Is it always like the 100% best, best option? No, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm doing the best I can. And yeah. so I, I love that you, I, that's kind of a, a tangent, but, um, I, I just think it's important for us. We all have our different motivations when right. it comes to these diets. And when it comes to that perfect body, and we have to figure out what's actually going to be sustainable for the long term. Right. Right. Yeah. And can I jump in? Cause I, yes, please do. I, Cause I'm, I, I'm hijacking your, <laughs> your interview. No, 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 no. But I was, I was thinking about yes, with the food, doing the same things, like what feels good to my body, but also with exercise, that's been a transition Ooh, for me such a good one. just mm-hmm. really since probably the lockdown because mm-hmm. walking, 
okay, I can take a walk, but walking kind of felt like I wasn't really working out, mm-hmm. right? Like that was, that was a subpar workout. And, you know, and I went through a phase, it was probably a period of maybe six months or so where the doctor had said I was having adrenal issues and I probably just needed to just, you know, lay low with the exercise thing for a little bit. And so I was doing some walking then, but I was walking with the motivation of someday I'm going to be able to do my hard cardio again. Right. And so now though, having the freedom to say, you know what, I just feel like taking a walk today and walking outside. Like I never did that before Aaron, because I'm a gym rat, like, mm-hmm. you know, and the gym is where you burn the calories. And I mean, even now I don't necessarily have a gym membership, but I've got like the, you know, a fake Peloton bike and, you know, it's like, well, I could do it inside and I can, you know, burn 600 calories an hour. And, and that whole thinking around exercise, I've just let that go over the last couple of years. And just gone, what feels good? What would feel good today? It might feel good to just go. I go to an infrared sauna. It might feel good to just go in there and stretch, or it might feel good to get on my bike and ride really hard for a couple, you know, for 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. I can't do as hard as I used to, but, but I'm finding even, and, and, and losing the all or nothing, the black and white thinking mentality with exercise where it's like, oh, I only have 10 minutes. Well, that's not going to be a real workout. No, I can go take one lap of my block in 10 minutes. And at least it was something and it felt good and it helped me de-stress and it, you know, it, it was a little bit of exercise and that's okay. So, so losing all those rules and shoulda, woulda, coulda, you know, all that thinking, all the stress around, am I exercising right? And am I eating right? I think there's so much more freedom there to really pursue health goals. in, like you said, a sustainable way. Yeah, no, that's good. I'm glad you brought up the exercise because that's another popular diet that's out there. It's the, it's the beach body mm-hmm. thing, right? Like that's not in, in any kind of fitness dieting or exercising, um, while eating these portion controlled meals, whatever. Right. Um, and that's an age old thing that I think that there are certain seasons in life where yeah, high intensity feels good. But, um, now have I told you what I recently learned? This is a fun one mm-hmm. that in our twenties and thirties, we are ovary centric, right? Like everything okay. is focused on the reproductive hormones because that's the time where we're going to be mostly reproducing all of that. As we get into our forties and fifties, we're relying on our adrenals to support mm. our ovaries. And if we've burned out our adrenals and high intensity exercise and constant dieting, because that's a stressor too, in our twenties and thirties, then we've got nothing left for our forties and fifties. And so I think when it comes to exercise, we got to think more like what kind of movement can I sustain that feels good to your point? that's not going to burn me out when I'm older because <laughs> I want to be moving yeah. when I'm older. I need, I mean, right. otherwise we do have lots of, you know, bone problems and we need our joints to be functioning and all of that. Um, so what's functional there. So that's, that's another popular diet that, um, is still, you know, it, it's, it's still a diet. Yeah. I just interviewed a be- former beach body girl on my show a couple weeks ago, actually. Um, and she took it all the way to, um, to a competitive, what is it called when you like go flex on stage mm-hmm. with bodybuilding, yeah, like I guess competition. Yeah. Or- like the bodybuilding yeah. stuff. And, um, and, you know, God kind of had to interrupt her, her life there, but yeah, you know, I mean, again, like if the workout feels good, do it. But I've always found when I did those kinds of things, like we did the P90X back in the day, I felt like a lot of times I would need more food sometimes after the workout. And then other days I'd be okay, but there were certain workouts where I was like, I cannot just eat only this. Like I need to eat like seven times this amount. 
And I probably would have, if I was on plan or at least maybe early in the plan, I would have just said, okay, shut up body. You don't know what you need. Like I got to do this thing. And, um, and, you know, and not eaten. And now I'm starting to recognize like, okay, if you're going to work out hard or for me, if I'm going to work out hard, it's going to require me to refuel pretty much the rest of the day. Yeah. I mean, I, even I do a little like 13 minute spin class. Mm-hmm. And if I add that in, I, I know I'm going to be eating every hour and a half the rest of the day. It's mm-hmm. just going to make me starving. Um, and, and, and then there's almost this like balancing act, like, well, do I want to do that 13 minute thing? If I have to eat right. I have to you know? about food all day. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> but then, but then it's like, but, but that I think is the beauty of, of just pursuing health and, and really it's body kindness, right? Erin, I mean, we were so mean to our bodies. Right. right. And, and I don't know, I, I've, I've not talked to a psychologist about this. Maybe Richard would have something to say about this, but like, I wonder to what degree that's dissociation, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like separating yourself from your body and saying, body, you do what I want you to do. Like body, you know, you cooperate, like, you know, instead of like seeing ourselves as whole people, like my body and I are on the same team. If my body's telling me something, I should probably go ahead and at least take its advice, (laughs) at least listen. Mm -hmm. But so it's so, it's so strange how we've been taught to do that, how we've been taught to separate from, from who we are physically and, and, and treat them separately. I mean, that's what I did. I thought my spiritual and emotional and mental stuff is over here and my physical stuff's over here. And, and, you know, I mean, the whole, the whole purpose behind your podcast is to show no, no, no wholeness is it's all together. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a good, a good point. You mentioned just to remind, to be reminded of is that our body requires different energy needs throughout the day and depending on what we're doing that day. And so to assume that I'm only going to have this amount of calories every single day, no matter what that's yeah, that's dissociating ourselves with our, with our basic needs. And I mean, hunger, nutrition, like that's, that's a pretty important need to pay attention to. Um, I love that about the dissociation. That's very interesting. That's where yoga was so healing. I, I started yoga for a, cause I hurt my back. I couldn't do other things. So it was a, it was just another fitness deal, but then I realized, oh, I have to be present with this body that I don't always really want to be present with mm-hmm. <laughs> and right. realizing, oh, I'm strong. And that being a positive, the body that I have right now, just as it is, is strong. And I don't need to lift more or I I just do the same thing every time, pretty much, you know, and -hmm. it's been really good for me to get back into my body and to partner with my body again. Um, so that's super, super interesting, um, that you bring the the dissociation thing that's going to send me spending for the next few hours. I think think I will talk to my counselor husband about that. Uh, that's interesting. Okay. Is there anything else that we have missed that we haven't talked about, um, diet wise or exercise plan wise or getting ready for summer? Well, do you want to have a argument, a nice argument about intuitive eating? Yeah. Yes. Because that's okay. So let's talk. Okay. Let me background. Heather has been hitting hard on the intuitive eating on her podcast. And I have a love hate relationship with intuitive eating (laughs) because I think it's hard to eat intuitively when you are, when we are surrounded by food that alters our neurochemistry for lack of better wording. And so, yeah, let's, let's talk about yeah. intuitive because that's also can be seen as a diet too. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, how, 
when you are talking about intuitive eating, what are you thinking or what are, how are you viewing it? Yeah. So I think intuitive eating wouldn't have to be called intuitive eating if we didn't live in a diet culture. Like it would just be called eating, yeah. <laughs> I think, right? Yeah. Because the principle of intuitive eating, as as I've understood it, and I'm fairly new to studying it, but as I've understood it, is just listening to your body's cues of hunger and fullness, trying to be more mindful of when you eat, and getting rid of the food police, the good food, mm-hmm. bad food. Yes. And and so coming from where I've come from with decades of disordered eating, possibly eating disorder, I feel like intuitive eating is, is a good step for people with my background to step into the new, scary, unfamiliar terrain of it's okay to have a donut if you want to have a donut. Now, where I get kind of muddied up is I feel like like you, like I've been studying nutrition stuff for a long time and not to the same degree you have, but you know, I've, I've always had my eye on this stuff. And so I do believe that there, and I, and I think most of the intuitive eating people I work with would say the same thing. Like there are foods that are nutritionally superior to other foods. Absolutely. Right. There are, and also that it's individualized. There are foods that are going to feel better in your body than are going to feel, you know, might feel bad in my body. And, and so there's all kinds of distinctions there, but the reason why I've kind of clung to intuitive eating recently is just for the fact that I think people coming from disordered eating, coming from a long history of diets need some way to set themselves free from the rules and learn to trust their body again before they go into, okay, now what actually feels good for me? What actually is good for me? And one, you know, this is a little bit of a tangent, Aaron, but I'll share it here. Um, because we ate low carb and because, and my husband's big into fitness and exercise and stuff. And because, um, because I had a gluten problem, we never had bread in the house really. Like just, we avoided bread just wasn't a thing that we had around. And we've had a lot of health, even mental health issues. You and I've talked about with one of my Mm -hmm. sons and I had taken him essentially, I'd taken him gluten-free for a while. I'd taken him dairy-free and, you know, we'd gotten supplements. We'd gone all over the map with trying to like fix him, if you will. And we took him to the doctor and got all the blood work done at an endocrinologist because I thought maybe he had diabetes. Um, and his blood sugar numbers were a little off, but they wrote it off to just time of day, but he had a high level of ketones. And so she's like, it could just be time of day, but you know, we'll just keep an eye on him. And fast forward a couple of years. I mean, we were having incidents all the time, spiraling incidents of emotions and just crashes. He would, he would just, he would refuse to eat almost like Julia Roberts and steel magnolias, where you're like, you're watching a diabetic crash. He'd refuse to eat. Um, and then he would, we'd force him to eat something. He'd sometimes throw it up and then he'd fall asleep right away. So it it was obviously a blood sugar, like regulation problem. Right. Well, Aaron, the last like six or seven months I've been buying bread again, and I've been buying some snacks that are, you know, more gluten filled snacks. And I'm not saying that they're healthy for everyone. I think that they have a negative impact on some kids' brains for sure. But I have a different kid because he's getting enough carbs. 
And I, and, and, and so that, that hurts me (laughs) that my kid, I was forcing my kid to eat like I needed to eat in that season. (laughs) Because <laughs> I thought that's what was good for everyone. And here, I mean, we haven't had the mood issues at all. And he'll just go grab, I buy, I like to buy like the fresh bakery loaves. He'll just go grab a hunk of bread and just eat, eat on it. And, and he's so much more stable. I think he was in some sort of ketosis. He <laughs> was eating too high fat, right? Too high, high protein. And he was missing this carbohydrates he needed for his brain. So interesting. That's a variation from our intuitive eating conversation, but, but I just, you know, so I, I think that there's truth to, there's different things that are good for different people's bodies for sure. But intuitive eating can be a route. I think for people who maybe have, have those loud food police, those, this is a good food. This is a bad food, this orthorexia kind of tendencies where you can only eat clean. And then the irony Mm -hmm. is you're only eating clean, but you're eating a bar. That's like, total trash. Anyway, that's the side, but um, but that's true. And I think that's good. It's, I I like your perspective with your son because something that's been popping up a lot lately, and I'm trying to find the, the pillars or the principles of intuitive eating. That's what I've been trying to look at. Um, as you're saying this, because I want people to understand some of what the principles are, but it's interesting because even when we're talking about keto, the assumption is that our body can utilize fat for fuel, but not everybody's body can do that. Mm -hmm. It's very individualized. And so that's something else. And if we're talking about thyroid, well, Mm -hmm. if you have a history of thyroid, he possibly could have inherited some genetic tendency. We have to have carbs for T4, T3 conversion, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, so there's a lot there that's, this is where it gets so individualized. And I love that you shared that story. Um, I'm not finding exactly what I wanted to find for intuitive eating. So I'll just, the main the main points or the, I guess, principles of intuitive eating is reject. Okay. So these are the things I love rejecting the diet mentality. Yes. We reject it. Honor your hunger. Yes. Make peace with food. Yes. Challenge the food police. Yes. Respect your fullness. Yes. Discover satisfaction. Yes. Honor your feelings. Yes. Respect your body. Yes. Move your body and honor your health. Thing is is that a lot of people never get to move your body and honor your health. Right. Um, And, and my other thing is there's a, and it's not, it must be in the book where it talks about all foods fit. I don't Mm -hmm. think that's true. All foods don't fit all people, as you just said. (laughs) And so I have a a hard time with that one, you know, Um, but I wonder, but but here's how I think about that. And I'm not like, I didn't write the book, obviously. (laughs) So (laughs) I don't, I don't know if my perspective is correct, but as I've talked to uh, non-diet dietitians who, who follow an individual eating approach, we've had conversations about like, you're, you're doing well, again, that's good, bad language. I got to get rid of that good, bad language, but you're eating foods that nutritionally serve you well, 90% of the time. And you don't have to worry about the other 10 that you are, you're free with the other 10, that that's kind of what you want life to look like. Not that you are, you know, Oh, I'm intuitive eating. So I feel like donuts Mm -hmm. all day that once you're actually listening to your body, your body would reject eating donuts all day that your body would say, Mm, no, we need something different than that. And I think the, the example they use is, um, Thanksgiving dinner, right? Like Thanksgiving dinner tastes awesome the first day and the leftovers the next day are good. And sometimes even the next day, the leftovers are good, but like by the fourth day, you could really care less. It doesn't really taste that good anymore. And and so when listening to your body, you would start to reject 
hopefully, ideally those foods. Now I know your point is that some of those foods are so addictive that you're not going to let you reject that's them. Where it gets so tricky. Yeah. yeah. That's where it gets so tricky for me is that I think, cause I've seen it in my kids. If I, if mm -hmm. I give them, you know, the freedom to eat, whatever, of course, they're going to go for the foods that have been chemically engineered for them to mm -hmm. go for more, right. you know? And I, and I think that, cause there's that whole intuitive eating for kids things, which I, that's a whole other conversation for another day. Um, that's so difficult because it's like, yeah, we have made, I mean, there's a whole book, um, well, let me see what's it called again. Sugar, salt, sugar, fat, all mm -hmm. about how cereal at one point they questioned whether they should put that on the candy aisle. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. And so we're starting off our day with hijacked neurotransmitters, serotonin, mm -hmm. dopamine through the roof. And anyway, so just yeah. because of what these psychologists and engineers have done to make our food addictive. So it's just very, mm -hmm. there's a lot. So we are leaving this conversation with a, so what? So what? And, and I think the answer is you get to decide for yourself. If you yeah. want to do Optavia or however you say it, do it, <laughs> see how you feel, check in with yourself, right? Yeah. Check yeah. What, what's the motivation there? Is it going to keep you from doing things that you love to do? Is it going to keep you from, you know, being in community with other people? Is it going to make you hangry? Is it going to make you focused on your gene size to where that's all you think about? Okay. Then maybe it's not for you. If not, yeah. I don't know. You know, I mean, it's like all these things we, you have to decide what's right for you. So any last right. thoughts, Heather? Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, the best way to have confidence this summer is not to lose weight. Right. Because even models struggle with their body image. <laughs> okay. So, so just, I think just taking that off the table, that the only way you can feel good about your body this summer is if you lose weight, like that's not actually true. Just because you've thought it doesn't mean <laughs> that it's true. I mean, there there's, I, mean, I, I have some strategies that I use. Like when I'm at a water park, I don't walk into the bathroom and examine myself in the mirror. I know that that will take my good time to a bad time right. <laughs> less than a minute. Right. So, I mean, there's some strategies you can use to keep your eyes off of yourself and onto the moment, enjoying the moment, realizing that no one is objectifying you in the same way that you're objectifying you. No one sees you as just a body. They see you as a body and a person, <laughs> right? Um, and so free yourself to enjoy summer and feel confident this summer, not because you have a body that other people can worship and look at, right? Maybe that's the case for you. Maybe that's not the case or how you feel about your body right now, but that's not what's most important anyway. Do we really want that? Do you really want their stares and <laughs> leers? I don't know, um, but, but just showing up, being there to, to enjoy the time, enjoy, enjoy the summer. And, and be focused on the people around you, how you can love them well and serve them well and enjoy them well over what you look like. I mean, there's, there's so much freedom to be had there and it's a whole lot cheaper than any diet. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That is so good. Preach. Um, that's, that's a good, good note to end on. And well, thank you again for being on the show. This was so yeah. much fun and my pleasure. We'll have to do it before January, I guess <laughs> for the next round. <laughs> The tiniest spark leads to the biggest blaze, and I hope that today's episode sparks you on a journey to healing and wholeness. Thanks for listening to Sparking Wholeness. For more information on what I do and my coaching programs, or maybe just to reach out and say, hey, find me at sparkingwholeness.com or on Instagram at sparkingwholeness. Have a fabulous week.